Welcome to Fargo Talks Fargo, a podcast on the FX television series Fargo. This is most definitely not the official podcast because me, Bill, and my buddy Sharpie don't work for FX or anything close to that. We're just two dudes who grew up in Fargo. I still live here. Sharpie, how are you, my man? Hey, I'm doing good. Do you wish you worked for FX? I think it'd be pretty awesome. I mean, they're a great, they seem to produce really great stuff, you know? Well, if you work for FX out there, listeners, Bill is looking for a job. Maybe you could uh, wow. treat this as his interview. Ooh. Bill, what is your uh, five-year plan as Sharpie. you open a bottle of bourbon? <laughs> as I open a bottle of bourbon. I'm pouring some mixtures into a glass because we, we, can't, we can't mess around with my job, dude. We got too much email, too many things. This episode's bananas. Um. Where do you There's want? There's a lot to talk about today. Shall we? Shall we just walk through? And we, I just right off the bat, want to say thank you so much to everybody who wrote in or tweeted us and sent us all sorts of messages. We really appreciate you guys doing that. Guys, gals, non-binary, non-binary pals, as uh, J. Kenji Lopez Alt would say. But we, we appreciate everybody sending that stuff in. We just, man, can't get that all into the show. But uh, we'll do our best to respond or talk. And if we don't properly credit, if we bring up anything, apologize. Apologies. Uh, Right off the bat, but was that a rado piallo of apologies? Yeah, somewhat. Just trying to double up at the front end here. My God, I, we, I feel like the more this, the, I only watched it twice all the way through. I almost tried oh, to go for three, but God, the more I watch it, the more I lost track of the other thing I wanted to talk about. So there's there's no way we're going to be able to unpack everything that's in this. So we're going to talk about that's right where this story floats us right. This is an hour-long show, people. We would need at least two to cover everything we want. We want to cover. I didn't even scratch the surface of everything I wanted to research, but that doesn't mean this show isn't going to be jam-packed with goodness for you, the listener. All our best. Uh, or they, they just really piled it on to us this week. I think so. It all kind of came to a head with the tornado. We've been mentioning tornadoes over and over and over again. Hey, here's a tornado reference. Hey, somebody said tornado. Oh, Gaetano's a tornado uh, yeah. when he gets you know, into the mix. Uh, that sprinkled in with some other Wizard of Oz references kind of all came to a head into a very, very, very obvious yeah. culmination of, hey, we are in the land of Oz here. Yeah. And I, I, I can say you and I briefly chatted before this, and we've talked about this in the past. I am not a believer in you have to tie up every storyline or everything because... I think life isn't that way, and I don't think stories have to be that way, or fi- in film and TV or whatever. There's, there's just too much. There's just too much. And if you, you know, because I feel like we've talked about it at the end of seasons where we say, oh, I wish they could have done this. But you know what? That's not how it works. I don't, I don't get to know everything that happens. I don't have to know everything why to enjoy something. And I don't have to be, you know what I mean, right? That's right. But I mean. It's still its, it's, still its own thing. Like. I'm fully willing to just overlook the whole life is nothing but a competition to be a criminal rather than the victim. We don't need to, I don't think we want, do we, do you want to get into Bertrand Russell? Because I don't know if it's the, I don't think it's the most important thing. I think it's just there to set some tone along with the history of true crime. And you're talking about the quote that opened up the show. Yeah, except it immediately goes to something completely different that I, if you want me to tell you what it is, we're not going to probably do it on the show, but it's, it's just a long story from the history of true crime in the Midwest by Brixby. I paused and typed up every dang little you, word of it. 
you painstakingly went and basically transcribed from the screen to yes. your notebook everything that was in those pages that we saw scattered about in the ruins of the tornado. It was, I think it's worth... It was harder than you think. I think if you're going to go through that effort, we should at least get to reap the rewards of some of that. I'll, read, I'll, us- I'll read fast. And if I screw up a few things... Don't at me on it, okay? I had to pause a few times because certain parts came into focus, and I don't know if you noticed that paper was blowing long and short. Interesting, Chapter 7, Liberal Kansas, Who Shot Willie Bupor? Um, Two African-Americans, two Italians, and an Irishman walk into an outlying gas station. Sounds like this could be the beginning of a tasteless joke, but you would be mistaken to think so. What it is, dear reader, is set for perhaps one of the most puzzling entries into this compendium of Midwestern crimes. It had several, oops, sorry, it had investigators scratching their head for years, five dead and at least four from gunshot wounds, and bodies scattered, in some cases, miles from one another. No suspects, no arrests, and no widely accepted theories as to what transpired. Here we turn our attention to liberal Kansas, 1950, and what is today believed to be the convergence point for this mysterious act of violence at the M and Henry, Auntie M, and filling station, situated just outside the city limits, the majority of the dot, dot, dot. Billy couldn't figure all this out. And then it says, by Seward County Sheriff, great sheriff names, Dink Toltum. As a result, mm-hmm. Toltum found the most success in piecing together a narrative of events. In his report, Sheriff Toltum recounts a storm occurring on the same day as the African-American man in his 60s was shot in the head. Sorry, Willie. This man has been identified as Willie Bupor, who by all accounts was an upstanding, etc., in the small town of liberal, and then I can't read it because it never comes into focus, but I do manage to catch that Willie, I assume, was in the French, welcome back to France, Legion of Honor, which Mm -hmm. means he very likely fought in World War II and did something good enough that the, 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 the French bestowed this honor upon him, which it turns out truly did happen. There you go. I don't have anything else to say about it, but fun. I mean, that's pretty awesome. I, I mean, I don't know who else is going to go through the effort of transcribing uh, those pages as they're blown in the wind. So thank you for that, Bill. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because uh, we do, like you say, learn a little bit about Willie. Uh, Willie's the man that works at uh, the gas station that we the, meet right away. The M and Henry. Auntie M, M and Henry. Auntie M and Uncle Henry. Auntie M and Uncle Henry. Wizard of Oz. First, first Oz reference, don't you think? Of this episode, outside of the unless you count the tornado, uh, no, of this episode. Okay, like like the sure. well, except for the opening scene. If you rewatch the Wizard of Oz, the 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 road with all the power lines running down it is very uh, Wizard mm-hmm. of Oz. Anyway, sorry, you were saying what I find what I find interesting is that what we're about to see, uh, based based on what you just read, it, what we're about to see is really the telling of how Dink may have like laid it out. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. So, so even so, this. we're kind of getting sort of a, a <laughs> dramatization of what Dink thought would happen. So, picture of Sheriff Dink's over here with his, you know, red yarn, piecing things together. Right. Willie Bupor, blah blah blah. He's got all these pictures. Oh, there's this Calamita guy who we know is this uh, Italian mobster. Then we got right. this random uh, Irish guy, or yep. we don't even know because he's gone. Uh, so he's sitting there piecing this all together, crafting this story that we're about to see. So we don't even know if this is, is how it went down. Is, is this the history? So my assumption is with five dead and at least four from gunshot wounds, it's leading us to just a little bit think um, which one of these guys definitely didn't die from a gunshot wound. Was it Calamita? 
Or was it? So we know who did, it? right? Because it says Willie Bupor was shot in the head. Willie, so there's one. Willie's dead. Uh, we, Aldo. We, is Aldo. We saw Aldo. Trunk guy dead. Aldo's the trunk guy. Aldo trunk guy. Aldo. Meatpacking uh, meat Aldo. What was his last name? A Bruzo or something? I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Pa- Aldo last name was and Willie are dead due to gunshots. Yes. We, I'm fairly certain Calamita died of a gunshot wound. I think because he was shot by Omi. Yeah. Right at the very right before he got sucked up into the funnel. Ran out of bullets. Well, I mean, if you think about it, if they're saying, well, so that's the problem is we don't know. We just know everyone's so dead. So did so Omi and Rabbi both got shot, but did they die? I don't know. So one of them maybe could survive and died of somehow. How do they figure out in 1950 how they died of something? That means somebody maybe gets chucked by the tornado, injured in it. And then dies before a good old Dink can figure this out. Which, by the way, Dink is Yiddish for penis. Oh, thanks, Bill. <laughs> Just wanted to <laughs> let you know. I feel like we talked about the word Dink on the podcast once before. Anyway. Um, we do talk about a lot of penis yeah, on the yeah, show. It's all about that. Anyway, you know what? You, we, you, we, Fargo talks Fargo parentheses penis. Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> anyway, we we very early on into this, we see Omi driving uh in the thing and um he's looking at the sign uh or the 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 you know, the Midwest is scattered with all sorts of these like, hey, roadside marker for something spiffy and we we want to thank uh, people for writing in about uh a Clyde Tomba which we had mentioned in the last episode, but give give me your hot mm. take on this Clyde business. Yeah, so Clyde Tomba, uh, if, you didn't, if you didn't listen to The Hot Dish, we talked about this a tiny bit, but we're sitting, Omi's sitting there at this marker where Clyde Tomba like, grew up as a child, and that's a real-life a real life character, real-life stargazer. The man you know, who discovered... You know, Sharpie, if they're a real person, they're not Pluto. a character, they're just a person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to I'm talk. a real boy. I can help. <laughs> that's the same voice. My Pinocchio and my I can help voice are the same. Pinocchio, That's also good. Italian. That's a pretty good Pinocchio voice. Right? Yes. <laughs> I like pasta. I bent my Wookiee. Wait, that's Ralph Wiggums. Never mind. You go ahead. With the, <laughs> sorry, Pluto. Pluto. Um, so Pluto ha- gets a few references in uh, the Fargo universe, as does that book that Bill just read from, The History of True Crime in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Wasn't, this wasn't the first time that book showed up in no. the Fargo universe. Um, it, I think, showed up in season one or two. Um, it was the maybe season. all the seasons actually. No, no. Well, probably. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. <laughs> Whatever we miss, send us a note. Yeah, Tell us send about us it. a note. You're um, good at this. Um, but in season two, two episode two. one, there is another reference for uh, Pluto, and this was it during a conversation with this- some of the Gerhards, Dodd and Rye. Yeah. If you remember those guys, good season old one, Dodd. Season two, episode one. It's called Waiting for Dutch. Dodd says, "No, you earn for the family, not for yourself." Rye, yeah, but you're the oldest. And then there's Bear, and that's the throne. What am I ever going to be except the kid you send out for milk? And Dodd says, you're a Gerhardt. That's like Jupiter telling Pluto, hey, you're a planet too. <laughs> so, Pluto reference there. Um, so this is, this, we, could take, we could extrapolate this in a, in a few different ways. Rye's trying to be the king. Bear's on the throne. Rise a little bit jealous of it. But if we go a little bit more in tone with 
what this um, season tends to be. It's, it's kind of about equality, right? Equality um, especially and duality racially. and the yeah. differences of things that, and, and terminology about planet, dwarf, you know, all this stuff. We don't need to get that. I'm, I don't mean that topic. I mean, you go ahead. I just meant. Well, I mean, it's, it's just that Pluto's, <laughs> Pluto's had this struggle, uh, this uh, struggle of like being accepted as a planet for since we've known about it, right? Yeah. So sometimes it's a planet, sometimes it's not, and it just wants a little bit of love. And, and that's yeah. kind of, yeah. and, and we're seeing that a little bit. I mean, that could be a racial reference. That could be a reference with um, Satchel and just trying to, you know, be recognized and Ethel Rita and all these people. Yep. Um, it's just about, you know, be, hey, you're a person too. I'm yeah. Pluto. I'm Pluto. I'm also a planet. Is it a planet now? Have we mm-hmm. decided that? Mm-hmm. What's the fun? What, where, where are we on, on that front? <laughs> I've just, I've just decided to wait it out and find out. Like, I'm going to check back in in a few years. I'm currently not having to educate anybody about our solar system too much. So I'm, I've checked it's out. Not really I've checked. Expertise. It's not really my area of expertise. No. Um, hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to steamroll us. I, I think the Pluto part's more important than uh, f- us remembering that Aldo had to piss in his shoe or that he's still an asshole and he's still racist and he says the word boy too much to a black man. So Aldo, suck it. Right? That's enough. Yeah. I think but that's all the. I kind of want to talk about this. The Yurtle Turtle? And how oh. we. <laughs> Well, we'll get there, but how do you, so we're, we're, we're still in like the first minute of the show, by the way, but how does Aldo get in the trunk and get into Omi's trunk? What is think, your theory on that? I think the eventual thing we hear about the KC on the radio right. with the satchel and rabbi about the meat thing, I think, I think Omi picked him up at that tussle at the slaughterhouse. Yeah. So do you think... They were both in the tussle and escaped, and maybe Omi threw him in the trunk. Or how do you like? I'm, I'm, I was trying to theorize it myself, think, and obviously I we're think, speculating either way. I think that's but the you think uh, it next does, week. It on, did, next week yeah. on Fargo, it <laughs> did. It did definitely start at the slaughterhouse, and somehow we ended up here with one in the trunk and yeah. one not. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> not one in the trunk and one not. Yeah, like somebody's got to drive the car. Um, uh, no, I, I think. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> a Swede or an Irishman, oh. like he can't tell the difference. <laughs> one guy's last name is Olson, the other guy's Milligan. <laughs> right. That's um, right. we already talked about M and Henry Station. Is that that's a reference in my you know not in my opinion. It's a reference to Auntie M and Henry in The Wizard of Oz. Um, there's that weird exchange about, uh, you know, they want to send my boy to sh- shoot Koreans and there's a new war starting, which is true. It's the beginning of this whole scare around all sorts of uh, uh, things in the world. And he met a lady from Thailand and I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if I want to make this a big point of our, any of our conversation, no. but it's, it's just another one of those like the U.S. against somebody, uh, even... <laughs> And and then people, the Salvation Methodist and the consecrated Lutherans, you know this this that this world of like I'm right, no you're right, and I mean the the constant separation of even just Christianity, uh, it plays into this. Um, but you notice something that I noticed about you know let's cut ahead to them painting. <laughs> it's just it's a small mm-hmm. detail, but I I saw and wrote 
I, you, you talk about that because I, I wrote down a very similar note to yours. Well, I just thought it was interesting. So in order to uh, get the privilege of, I guess, hanging out at this gas station from Willie, they Omi had to offer some help. So he offers to, you know, help paint the fence. And it, I just thought it was interesting, you know, with the duality of things and, and how we're, we're comparing two things like constantly throughout this entire season. But Omi's paint job is like incredibly good and nice and neat and efficient. He's getting a lot done. And Aldo's just doing a shit job, just like painting in circles. He's up on the ladder, just like painting a huge, big black hole, basically. Right. Doesn't it look like he's just painting like a terrible, like uh, Tasmanian devil dust cloud? Yeah. <laughs> At least on that ladder. Who paints like that? Who would ever paint like that? Yeah. But even I think, you know, Omi and Willie, it's the, you know, even at this time in the 50s, interracially? No. Like, it's clear that Willie's kind of taken advantage of this situation, and they both are willing to turn a blind eye to the dude in the trunk and eventually gets him let out, you know? It's... Mm. It's an interesting wor- this world we're in is where everybody, no matter who you are, is willing to, at some point, turn a blind eye and take advantage, don't you think? Mm. Just not me. No, you are perfect. Have you ever had a knee high? I don't believe I have. I have, um, in Bemidji, you could go to this place and buy Orange Crush uh, at Deerland and you could feed it to a bear. You'd put the bottle through the fence and just pour this, pour this uh, orange crush what? into this bear's mouth. I, dude, you cannot make this up. I'm, I'm telling you. I think it was a bear. I gotta go look this up if I can find these pictures. It was just a big dog, and they told you it was a bear. <laughs> yeah, it's just too. I Come on, just, Billy, feed oh, the bear. I know what I want to talk about real quick. I said this to you because I can't believe until just now I didn't see constant Calamita, right? And mm. I thought. Everywhere this guy goes, there's crap and chaos. And I just realized, holy shit, calamita. The Latin word calamitas is the root for the word calamity. And I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. This guy is constant calamity. Wherever he goes, it is a shit show, right? That's right. I'm just like, what a dummy. That I haven't noticed it. Yeah. And and it's, it's funny because it's not even always like him like being at the absolute direct nature right. of the calamity but him just being there well like yeah uh, but he was there he was there for doctor he was there he for was there for doctor. he was there for the shit show that was trying to off lemuel right and he was there for when Gaetano just decided to shoot up that little bar right. with the kid and the bartender yes and all of a sudden those two are dead so so then the the, the, the constant calamity calamari Dingleberry Everywhere is just he goes, there, and shit just falls apart. So the noun of that is of calamity is an event causing great or often sudden damage or distress, a disaster. And the, the origins of it, outside of late Middle English, are French for calamit, calamity, like but spelled differently, or calamitas. And I just thought, God damn it. <laughs> These people are smarter uh, than us. These people who run this show. <laughs> Except for now, it seems so obvious. Yes. Son of a bitch. You know what, Noah, Holly, and crew? Love you, but suck it. Trebek, I'm sorry. I was about to. Oh, too soon. God dang it. I love you, Alex Trebek. You beautiful man, you. Oh, moment of silence. 
<sighs> okay. Okay. So we, you and I are awful excited tonight, aren't we? People are, you're <laughs> playing this back in like, in like some different podcast app. You've probably moved it down to like 0.7% or 0. 0.7. It, of it makes speed. a difference when we record like six hours earlier than normal. Yeah. We're way more. <laughs> it's it's six thirty right now. Central. I'm still I'm still within like acceptable coffee drinking time. I am past coffee drinking time and and in Michter's Michter's bourbon time. Anyway, um, Rabbi and Sassel driving past the same Pluto thing, and we get to hear this Joseph McCarthy bullshit that he spouted. Um, called enemies from within we don't Mm. i think it's just too obvious for us to talk about this don't you if you want to see it just go look it up it's it's enemies from within senator joseph uh, mccarthy and it's a bunch of accusations of disloyalty it's to me you it's the most direct line to the bananas politics of our current world exactly um they they refer to communistic atheism versus democratic christianity as if those two have anything to do with each other if you want to be like any of those words if you want to be like a a turd about like timeline we've been in 1950 and it's supposed to be christmas so i would assume it's like december uh but just i don't know is time is time irrelevant we don't know what worlds these are but that speech, uh, as far as my research showed, and I could be wrong because the internet, by the way, is wrong sometimes, <laughs> but it says this was from February 9th, 1950. So, eh, we'll see. Oh, plus, lib- liberal Kansas pancake hub of the universe. Gare is happy. Gare. Pancakes house. Pancakes house. I think we end up saying pancakes house uh, at least once a season. Once? It's more like, mm, you said we're going to go, yeah. I'm not going to do it. I won't do it, I promise. Want to talk a little bit about Melon Mounds? <laughs> uh, Which, sure. by the way, is a double. A melon, you know what I mean? A mo- it's a, a yeah, yeah, whatever. Sleep with one right. eye open, right? Sleep with one eye open. I mean, we have talked about mounds uh, once before in this podcast we this year. Because almond joys have nuts. And Oreo, Oreo comes from the Greek word Oreo, which means hill. Anyway, uh, Plymouth Rock, Sutter's Mill, McCarthy, Eisenhower, Old Testament, New Testament, right? We basically mm-hmm. get this little hint that they're choosing California a little bit more liberal. Uh, Eisenhower over McCarthy, and Rabbi wants to be born again. He wants to be new. Mm-hmm. Put a pin in that which, run. Put hmm, a pin in that. Interesting. Let's, should we come back to that? But yeah, let's come back to that one. The thing. I have some thoughts, and sounds like you do too. The thing I think. Oh my God! Sorry, I just saw an NPR news alert. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. Oh, um, oh great! <laughs> guess what? Somebody else got fired. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I here's the biggest takeaway I got from this is that it's a house divided, it's split, and yet we're sort of led to believe that these, like Iola and Piccola Crum, uh, these sisters are separated and we're kind of led to be like, well, whoever's for Plymouth Rock and McCarthy in the Old Testament is sort of on the quote-unquote wrong side. But what we find out is that whether you feel old or new or changing or progressive, they're both racist. (laughs) They're both judgmental about liquor and sugar, you know, and I think that's, to me, that's an idea to keep in mind that, you know, no matter what side of whatever fence you feel like you're falling on, you're still myself. This is a statement about myself and people in general. I still can have 
problems, racism, uh, you know, it's, it happens, it's real and we have to work to change that. But I just think that's the biggest takeaway I took from that scene was that racism is present because there's a comment about, it's not a rule, but steer clear, you know, like there's Mm -hmm. no law, quote unquote law against it, but just be careful, careful. Do you think? Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's like the the city of liberal. If that's the city that, uh, Rabbi goes back to to fetch his money because the the cop there is like, yeah, you know, you just might want to like not sh- not like hey, be out in the open about that kind of behavior. Don't don't, don't ask, don't tell about your your African American ward. Eh, we can talk more about that jackass later. Yeah. Um. What do you make of this house as a whole? I mean, do you do you feel those are the things that line up? It's there to help us see. Another house divided, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Which, by the way, I'm still I'm going to credit Marissa for that, the house divided theory. Just in general, just I like the phrasing of that. Thanks. It is a good. Thanks for very writing. Thanks for way of putting it. it. Yeah. Um, Barton Arms. Barton, Barton Arms and yeah. Ellen Mounds. And, and we know we know that the the Barton thing comes from a multiple things. Um, but mm. we can't. Like I said, if we get into everything, <laughs> we'll be here forever be here forever satchel and rabbi did you in room five yeah. next to a real creepster which we creepster, don't learn just a bandaged up man just well that's why it was it was called bandaged man in the credits bandaged man in the credits yep there's an armoire fish sticks did you, so i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about something we see in this scene that we can come back to satchel checks the beds that's all i'm gonna say we'll come back mm-hmm. you all know where we're mm-hmm. going did you wonder at all, Sharpie, though, like, why did, why did Rabbi put money in liberal Kansas? I mean, it's a long way from Kansas City, Missouri. You ever wonder what makes a guy want to go drop five grand into liberal Kansas? I actually didn't wonder about that at all, but. Do you have a theory on it? I don't. I just thought that was okay. that was one of those like leaps of faith I'm taking, but I had to say I was wondering because there was even a scene where Satchel was complaining about how long. He's like, it's not far. It's less than a day's drive, which tells me they clearly had been driving. Like, unlike the season one, let me just pop over to <laughs> Duluth, Duluth from Bemidji <laughs> thing, which is like, eh, you don't pop over and come back for dinner. It takes like six hours round trip at best. <laughs> But, yeah, well, they've been driving for six hours. We know that. So mm-hmm. it, the gas station is six hours from where they were in yeah. Kansas City. Um, I don't know. But I don't know. I mean, is Rabbi the type of guy that's been traveling around the country? Like, did he stop there on his way back from California or something? Who knows? I think I he's... I don't know if there's much in... Go ahead. Would you agree that he's, he is... There's lots about him that's mysterious. Right? He's he's been traded yeah. around. He's had all these things happen to him, and I think we he's mysterious in the fact that we, are, you and I have always been questioning, not questioning, but curious where his where his faith lies. What family is he? Whose side is he on? And I think in the end, he's on the side of of the boy and the quote unquote. You know, to me, he's the victim of this situation. I think he's a victim advocate at best. That's a, probably the wrong word for that, sorry. But you know what I mean. 
I don't know. He just... I think so. He teaches him things. He's concerned about his education. He talks about the books, but at the same time, he's not afraid to tell him, stab somebody here. You know, what was it? Uh, uh, Thigh, stomach, chest. Like, work your way up the body. Dang, that's a tough lesson for a kid to learn. Sorry, Satchel. Um, Sharpie, after this, we end up at the T Woodman Catalog store with Beechwood, Indiana, and we hear about eventually his younger brother, Haskell. Um, I think we need to do a little bit of skipping around because I want to talk about something you know in the background, Sharpie. Oh, I know. Well, because you brought up a different point to me. We didn't have a major talk before tonight, but you said a couple things. I noticed that in the background of this scene, there is a sign that says, buy now, or on friendly terms. And what are friendly terms, Sharpie? Lay away. Lay away. There we go. And you had brought and you had brought up you what you brought up the whole situation about in a way isn't the money. (laughs) I'm gonna put this here for something I need later. Yeah, well, I think Rabbi actually said, he didn't say the, the exact word layaway, but he said something very close um, when they were in Barton Farms, or Barton Arms, rather. Right. Um, him and Satchel are in there, and he's like, I got to go into, into town. Uh, I laid some money away for, you know, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, layaway. And then they go over to the T. Woodman, and the tin. you pointed out that sign, and I thought that was pretty interesting. The, the Tin Woodsman? He put his <laughs> yeah, well that and the layaway. Sign. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We we cut back to the Barton uh and Satchel and you and I have talked about we could probably go on and on about like we could have a whole episode on the beautiful uh cinematography and editing in this show. Um there are doubles everywhere. There's never three coat hooks. There's only two, right? And you you you'll eventually I think you notice some things you told me about even reflections and cars and things you know, like so these these twos this Gemini yeah pervades when this Rabbi series. is driving back to town there is definitely uh, a theme of duality going on in that whole drive um, there's two cars on the road every time there's like a big car shot if it's just on if it's just the car driving down the side of the road, if it's just a single car shot, Oops. you see an act. You're looking at an actual shot of the reflection of the world in the vehicle. So you're seeing the two worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing the man on the billboard who is dressed very much like Rabbi. Um, just that whole. It's it's only like a ten to fifteen second little montage of him going into town. But there's two of the main focal point in. There's two of the subject, I should say, Yeah, in that whole scenario. And it brings us back to one of our favorite thematic commentaries, which is Arado Piarlo. And um, Boy, I think people are going to get sick of us. <laughs> Charlie, you know how many people have quit listening to us because of who we are? Um, and we appreciate those of you who stick with us. It's but, true. But Satchel, Satchel hears something. He's back, you know, back at the Barton Arms. And I jokingly was like, God damn, it's the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Because we already think there's a lion and there's a witch. And now we got a wardrobe? I'm like, I thought that too. I was like, oh my God, he's going to walk through this thing. Holy shit. Um, Dog comes out. Wasn't that kind of tense though? Here in that scratch? Because we also know about the snowman. And with... Um, we don't also get us on the snowman. Only the African American characters can see the snowman. So I was like, well, "Oh we don't my know god, that. not the snowman! Not the snowman! Not in the armor! I just I want just, you to step into a beautiful world." 
I just wanted, I just kept bracing myself to like do that little like jump scare, but I just realized this show's not really about jump scares. <laughs> so then I like that's a un- fact. Unclenched my ass for a minute and went back to what I was doing. Um, we don't know for sure. We got this little Toto pops out here, right? And this, the dog's name is Rabbit, and I know on the hot dish we talked about Rabbit. Um leading us down a rabbit hole and I feel like I'm sort of right about that and it doesn't mean that it's the only thing rabbit is there for but on my rewatch I felt even better about it because not only did we follow the dog down a rabbit hole the scene mm. took us down one dude we spiraled down a staircase where we watched a and a camera went down the middle of that staircase I'm like mm. we literally went through the rabbit hole following a dog mm. but if you take the T off rabbit, you've got rabbi, and it's just what we believe, right, is the future replacement for rabbi as Satchel's traveling companion mm-hmm. and friend. Yeah, well, if we're going based off of the book of true crime in the Midwest, where five people die, four of gunshot wounds, we're, we're basically given sort of a key to the episode that says, you know what, we didn't necessarily see rabbi die, we did see him get sucked up into a tornado. Um, maybe he's. But that was five. But that whole scene. Yeah, that's true. But that whole scene was five characters. Um, right. One, two, three. Well, two Italians: Aldo and Calamita. Yeah. Willie, Willie, and Omi, Willie and Rabbi, and the Irish guy. And so four of them died from gunshot wounds. As we come back to this, because numbers are hard, folks. That's why we stick with Um, two. (laughs) Yeah, they are staying in room five. Room five. Um, so we know that Rabbi is gone, and well, not at this perhaps, point. Before slightly being, correct. oh, you meant gone from his presence right now? No, I meant gone. gone. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> we're we're talking out of out of a uh, sequence of the show. Yeah, we're yes, not speaking with in you. terms I'm with of you. what sorry. the viewer knows. Sorry. Um, so yeah, it's kind of our theory that uh, Rabbi is now going to be embodied by Rabbit, Rabbit, possibly um, as as Satchel's new companion. And so, it works. It works on two levels. Follow the rabbit down the hole. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like the writers saying, "Come, I know this is, hey, this is crazy. Red pill, blue pill, just come come along with us. Get, you know, see the matrix for a minute. Whether it's going to make sense, Neo will not answer all of your questions later. Just get over that. Cue the Rage Against the Machine music. Uh, but Satchel runs down the divided house, and we for the first time meet. Like truly meet Hunk Swindle, which mm-hmm. somebody whose last name is Swindle, and Hunk is a character from The Wizard of Oz, and in The Wizard of Oz movie, Hunk is the Scarecrow, and boy, he loves to talk about Dale Carnegie. Which, by the way, when they say like let other people talk first, I was like, how do two <laughs> Dale Carnegie people in a room ever have a conversation? Because they're all both just really? listening. Six ways. Number nine, ask me a question. He loves it. He's got a funny bone. By the way, he has two, Sharpie. Two. Because What's he's the got other the, one, Bill? The, well, the other guy's got the gift of gab, and we eventually right. meet Hickory Milch. <laughs> <laughs> Who uh, is Texas, wants to go and be an oil man. So I wonder, Hickory in The Wizard of Oz is the Tin Man. So shocker. Hickory wants to be in oil and has gold fever. That's right. Goodness. Thank you for all these nuggets. Um, the also, I'm really, I'm really annoyed by the amount of times they call um, 
they call him boy. Like you could have just asked him what his name was. You chode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He even like went out of his way to not know. He's like, oh, I don't know what his name is. I just call him boy. He's standing yeah. right there. You could have said, oh my God. Excuse me, young man. What is your name? But the bottom line is, is oh, this one here, he doesn't have a name. Well, I think that's the thing here is that we're not yeah. on an ease on down the road. They're all going to get together. This is the the other thing is is that not everybody in the Wizard of Oz is pals. You know, they're just yeah, because not everybody's great. Right. So Hunk and Hickory are both Wizard of Oz characters. Uh, if you're wondering who played the Cowardly Lion, that would have been Zeke in Wizard of Oz. But we don't meet a Zeke in this episode. I don't think we do. I I don't feel like we do. But we, we met Reverend and Mother and Major Hammer. Hammer and, and his niece Millie his we meet niece. in this episode. Pastor Roanoke, right? Pastor Roanoke and his wife. And then she says, That's mother. right, Pastor Roanoke. And Mother is just such a, yeah, that makes me feel pensy. Um, I'm sorry, pensive. <coughs> uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> bring the comments on. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, and, uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Go. We well, we 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 see these guys and they they talk about it, but I think it's interesting. The the and we say that phrase a lot. I know we do. As I edit the show, I know what we say over and over. Uh, Satchel and he are in the room talking for a little bit, and Rabbi says, "Only a fool thinks the world is going to stay exactly the same." And I yeah, thought after he finds out his money's gone, and you and I. Please, listeners, help us. What the French, and I meant to say that on purpose, is up with the hole in a shoe and the rock that falls out. We mm-hmm. don't know. We don't even have a hunch. I, I went around in circles on this, and I, I, feel, I felt like I was just overworking it a little bit and just it's hard theorizing. Yeah. Just going through all kinds of like crazy ideas. I don't think any of, the, any of them are worth bringing up. Um, Yet. Yeah, unless I mean, you got some great theory about... With knowing pebbles in your shoe. You know, you know where it's going to hit me? It's going to hit me right after we're done recording. You and I have and a we, lot of those moments. How many times have I texted you randomly like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the hole in his shoe. It's the yeah. rabbit hole. It's, the it's rabbit. It's, it's the- rabbi's hole. Rabbit hole. Huh? Oh, rabbi's hole. Oh, goodness. Um, I do want to say. the troll toll <laughs> if you want to get through rabbi's hole. Well, we have the whole conversation at the table. Uh, as we go down to dinner, because everybody's hungry for fish sticks and potatoes mm. and a can of green beans, uh, we meet Major, who's a hero of Wounded Knee, which is complete and total horse shit, because there's nothing <laughs> great about Wounded Knee. It was a massacre, and we've You're heard You're telling about, me there were no heroes at Wounded Knee? Well, not, not even Major not, Hammer? He lost Not an anybody eye, wearing a uni like that. Uh, sorry. You can't you. make fun of veterans that lost an eye. Okay. Well, you know, we we mentioned that there's there's a lot of like pseudo cyclops happening. Mhm. But mm, yeah. We, so we meet I don't know what Millie and him are all about. Please fill us in, but it's also falls into the category of how do we keep up with all of this? I feel like we're going so fast. Right. I mean, when when all those characters were at the dinner table too, which was just fascinating. This whole house is fascinating. The, the, the shots, like, Sharpie. The shots, the, right? The, the, the different curtains, the different rugs, the different wallpapers, everything split right down the middle. Even different wood on the front desk. Yes. Um, I don't know if it's a, 
it could just be different stains, but it's it everywhere. looks like two completely different pieces of wood. Um, but we also have different names for Satchel and Rabbi, and that is yes. Duffy and Colt. Yeah. And I don't know where, what these references are. Perhaps they're maybe from some like Wild West literature fiction at the time. Um, I know Colt is a gun, a gun brand, but I don't know what Duffy is. It's probably a Hillary Duffy reference, or that's Hillary Duff. Damn. Uh, sorry. <laughs> We don't know. We, I mean, here's the deal. We can't figure everything out, and that's not the point. The, our point is to examine this show from the point of view that we currently have, which is why we don't ever claim to be right necessarily, and that's everybody true. is going to make their own inferences based off what they see. But you're right. All the way down to, you saw it, didn't you? Like, uh, I'm sorry, in this scene, Colt, <laughs> right, has kind of like a lighter shirt and a darker thing, and the inverse is for Duffy. He's wearing dark shirt, white suspenders, and every time the housekeeper slash maids are in the background, they have very different things, and it's just wonderfully shot. Just the the amount of forethought and camera work and set dressing and prop masters, hats off to you. Hats off to you for whoever helped, like, made this realize that it happened, but I think the key. there's so much that had to be orchestrated for some of those shots. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously a lot of go, a lot of work goes into anything yeah. that's created in a show like this, but to have um to know that you're going to have like the house workers wear opposite clothes and make sure that they're framed against opposite backgrounds is just a lot to think about amidst all of the other stuff that's going on in the scene to for them to pay attention to that detail of just like yeah. okay She's wearing this. Think, she's got to be against a white backdrop. She's wearing this. She's got to be against a dark backdrop. Like, I think that's just it's something crazy. they didn't have to go through the work of doing because that can be like a huge burden in something like this when you have a million other things to figure out. Dialogue. Uh, they did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and you know, I think you and I tend to have a big appreciation for this because, right, Sharpie, you and I have both worked in the commercial film industry, making commercials and videos for um, services, mm. products, people, all sorts of stuff. And you don't understand how many little pieces go into that. And then when it gets edited, how much time it takes. And that's that's what I think I have such a great appreciation um, for that. But I think my biggest takeaway, Sharpie, from this table isn't the fact that there's a prayer and even there's two prayers and they can't even finish, you know, they can't mm-hmm. even agree on prayer. There's two two worlds again where, well, that's not the right way to say a prayer, and that's not the right way. You know, we just can't get along, but Goldilocks is, wow. I think, to me, the Goldilocks tale is a big piece of this episode. Bear, it's like, it's a nugget inside a nugget, because mm. is there a scene anywhere else in this show this entirety of the show where you see a two shot a two shot no pun intended there a two shot of rabbi and satchel looking and feeling so connected to each other and yet they're so different as uh it was hunk telling the story that what it's an outsider in search of himself there is no ending right of the goldilocks tale and keep Mm -hmm. keep in mind yes the witch is not sorry, not Bear's thing, it doesn't fit in anywhere. And when you see how much it resonates with the two of them, not knowing where their home is, to me, that was just like, that solidified a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Not every ending 
is perfect. Sometimes you don't consider the other side of that. And I immediately thought, oh my God, Satchel checked one of the beds first and then switched to another bed. Scene, 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 scene ago. He literally Goldilocks the the beds when he got there, tried to pick the right bed for himself. I mean, he didn't Mm -hmm. taste the porridge, I get it. But I thought that is, that to me is foreshadowing. Although everybody technically, and then that. he woke up on the floor later. Mm, that's uncomfortable. And and what else? And what did he have mm-hmm. at the end? Nothing. He was gone. He had no. He had no rabbi. The stability in his life was gone. All he's got is a dog named Rabbit and an open road. Yeah, we skipped a lot here, but 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 I also thought that was another good thing. The the, the commentary about the the barking dog bringing attention. You know, a little bit of like, hey. Don't make too much noise. I don't want you to get noticed because if you get noticed mm-hmm. for the thing that seems annoying to somebody else, you're going to be, it's unwanted. Don't, shh, Scotty, don't, you know, kind of thing. That's when we hit the future, the future billboard thing. What did you, what did you feel about that? The, the first time you went by the future billboard? About finish the damn thing. Yeah, the future is what, man? That was my... Probably just my favorite little scene there. It was uh, the, just because of the comedy, the lightness, the, the lightness, the lightness, yeah, but it, the meaning of it. It added such a nice dose of, like you say, lightness. I guess uh, that is in an otherwise very uncomfortable, stressful show a little yeah, bit because yeah, all yeah. of these scenes are pretty intense. They are intense either in a violent way with guns being with guns holding people up. Or in just like a social way with the messages of racism and stuff. Uh, especially, especially, the pro- probably the most tense <laughs> I got. More so than the uh, uh, Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, Snowman uh, <laughs> armoire. But when Satchel go, or not, well, Satchel and Rabbi go back to liberal Kansas and... Right. Go to the T Woodsman store to get them to get the money back, basically. By the way, armoire is a French word just for fun. <laughs> Satchel's sitting in that car and that cop pulls up right. and has and has his hands on the gun. Like this little kid is in a vehicle with a puppy doing nothing, and this cop is harassing him with his hand with his hand on his gun. Yeah, hey, have and you meanwhile <laughs> Can you imagine, like, hey, walk up to the window, give a good little wave, and then the good old use your use your index finger for roll the window down? No, it was a baton rap 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 on the window, roll your yeah. window down. Not a hello, hello, sir or madam, how's it going? Mm. Why did he stop in the first place? WTF nineteen fifty slash twenty twenty. Yeah, we both talked about a little bit uh, prior to the show about how uncomfortable. That scene was because of just everything that's going on in the world right now. But what we found was interesting in contrast to that is erstwhile <laughs> rabbis, in, <laughs> rabbis in the T. Woodman catalog store with a gun holding up two guys at gunpoint demanding them for money. And that whole time, I uh, admittedly wasn't nervous. I didn't care. I yes. wasn't thinking about the gun. I wasn't thinking about the lives of the men being held up. I was like looking around the room like, oh, 
is that a deer? What is that reference? Uh, How big oh, is there's that? a musky slash northern pike. <laughs> there's a painting of a stag. <laughs> I'm like looking at everything except the gun, despite the fact that there's a white guy with a gun pointing it at people. And I'm not thinking anything of it, but when I'm outside <laughs> it, watching the scene with the with Satchel in the car and a cop, I'm like all worked up. I'd call it's that so, effective. I'd call that effective storytelling personally. <laughs> it's brilliant, really. I don't know yeah. if anybody else uh felt that way, but I, you and I you a, and I a total asshole for not thinking anything of the man with the actual gun. You and I didn't talk about it, but I just feel like it was it was much like the scene between uh Deffy and Loy last week, <laughs> incredibly mm. tense. Uh, this was just another tense scene between law enforcement and and a, a, a black person, and I'm not really, I'm not trying to sensationalize any of this show. I'm looking at what they're trying to show us, and yeah, here's a guy basically committing a crime. But then you even think about what's going on inside. Here's a store somebody owned. A criminal comes and stashes something in it. So the whoever owned the store, no idea. You know, fell on hard times. The son screwed up the store, and now you put something there, and now you're like, well, I want that thing that's not even mine. You know, because yeah. I put it in your store. I mean, like, talk about taking from taking, and you're mad that somebody, you know what I mean? Like, I understand he's, you know, rabbi's in a tough, you know, I'm in a real tough spot. Wait, wait, no, what is it? I'm in a real tight spot here, if we're going to, if we're going to do, mm-hmm. right? I'm in a real tight, tight spot, spot here. here, right? He's a Dapper Dan man. And, um, <laughs> at least we could bring a Coen Brothers movie into that, which, by the way, <laughs> the Billboard Sharpie, we were super wrong, or I was super wrong. I was mixing up Francis McDormand with all things Cohen. So nothing about three billboards from Ebbing had anything to do with the Cohen brothers. I was just stupid. Uh, it's an indirect reference. It's an indirect reference. Thank <laughs> Perhaps. you. Perhaps. Thank you for saving me. You weren't that far off. Oh, goodness. Anyway, they he comes out, he saves, uh, he interrupts the guy, and that's where it's like, he's got to make up some war hero story to make it okay. And... He's like, well, you know, like you mentioned earlier, he's like, well, don't you, yeah, just try to keep that off the street. Ooh, ooh, boy. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, we go back to the, the Barton Arms, right? And we find out that it's, uh, boy, what I was going to say here, and I didn't have in my notes, but I just thought of, it's his birth, and I just thought, oh, my God, he's about to be born again. Mm-hmm. Shit. Right? Yeah, that's this, that's what we put a pin in. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay. No, I was thinking about Rabbi. I wasn't thinking about I was thinking about Rabbi being born again like as a dog, but I didn't really Oh, that's think, what I was thinking about. No, what about Satchel is about to come into a whole new world. Yeah, he's, they're both he's, being born he's again. He's birthed really. into the world of color mm-hmm. and all the problems that that come along with it, but damn. Hmm. Sisters don't believe in sugar. This is how we bring the whole world together, and we find out that the future is now, and there's a whole sorts of extra fun stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They don't pay me to write them, just slap them up. Mm-hmm. Another that guy at a great. crossroads. Yep. So much to say about I that. Thought, I thought that maybe the tornado would have wiped out the sign, and it would have been great for that guy because he'd have a job again. <laughs> but then the sign was still up at the very end. What, do you think there was a statement being made, though, about here's some guy just taking a sweet-ass time because he's got the privilege of a job? <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't want to... Oh, careful. <laughs> careful. 
careful. Um, anyway, we, we, we can move on. There's, there's some, there's some fun banter there, but I think, uh, we get to the station and the thing that finally caught my eye the second time through after I realized that it was Willie was dead and they showed Willie's feet sticking out. And I thought, Mm -hmm. I'm not suggesting that Willie is the witch. I'm just saying something landed on this poor man and it was this situation and it killed him. That's right. Right. The whole situation landed right on top of him. He- because we, we could sit there and say, we don't even, you know what? We don't know the Wicked Witch of the West. We never even saw her. We just know there's a bunch of people that didn't like her in the movie. So I don't know. Maybe there's an assumption happening there as well that, that all witches are evil and we see them that way, which is why I've kind of said, why is the witch wearing white now if in fact uh, Orietta's a witch, which eh, put a pin in that. We didn't see Orietta. Um, I will say this: I really like this show and how much little character stuff, how much character stuff there was going on with few characters and some them in 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 doing other things. But I don't know those those shoes sticking out of that uh, that doorway was made me go, oh son of a bitch! I missed that the first time. Definitely a nod to Wicked Witch, yeah. without a doubt. Boy, uh, uh, okay, calamity as we can probably call him now because mm-hmm. um, because. Calling him a tasty uh, Italian <laughs> appetizer. It's just not what you do with a guy like that anymore. We don't want him. We don't want him. He's trouble. Okay, uh, and I know Fair a lot enough. of people wrote in how pissed they were that he just got sucked up into a tornado and they don't know. It, but that's the other thing. Is this them playing with our own vengeance that we just want to see just terrible things brought on another person because we don't like them? Hmm, I just thought of that mm. right now. I'm not I'm not shaming anyone who wrote in about that. I'm just saying like that okay, I got to bring something up you have no idea about. I can't remember his name, uh but there there was this uh a theologian and thinker uh a, a French and part of one of his whole thinkings was, you know, and we're talking Christianity quick is that 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 Jesus Christ was part of the brought to the world and was like crucified as a means of end to reciprocal violence. And it was the take your pain, take all your problems, because here's the deal. Sharpie shows up at my house, murders my brother. And I'm like, oh, God damn you, Sharpie. So I go to Sharpie's house and I'm like, now I got to murder Sharpie. And then I kill Sharpie. And then that person is like, God damn that Bill guy, your little brother. You don't have one. I know that, but you know what I mean. And then he's like, well, now I got to go kill Bill. This is this, this is this cycle of endless endless like vengeance and war and things and i'm sitting there thinking um yeah how do we end this and but that's this french theologian who had this uh, idea of the end of reciprocal violence and somebody might write in and tell me i'm bananas and i've got that thing wrong but but when i look at this this gas station at M and henry's situation and all of these things that are happening to people and where is this going i mean do you you know, and and why are you know why do we want why do we have this bloodlust for like, God? I hope somebody picks up Calamita and pulls him out. You know, one by one, pulls out his fingernails. Like, Ooh. isn't getting sucked up in a tornado enough? You're like, peace out, I'm gone. We want more though. That's us. Is that us? Is that a reflection of our own selves being kind of shitty sometimes? Yeah, I think humans are just naturally kind of shitty. <laughs> we have the ability to do both things because right, we have light yeah. and dark, shadow, and you know. It's all there. It's all within us. See, this show isn't so crazy. It's not so crazy, but, you know, if you wanted him to die, guess what? You're in luck, because he's dead, according to the book of True Crimes of the Midwest. Yeah, 
I was paused twice on that was really an interesting outstretched arm shot of Rabbi attempting to almost shoot Kalamita. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, Kalamita originally two shots through the window. Boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Very James Bond, how quickly he turned. Rest in peace, John Connery. Um, anyway, they get sucked up in the tornado. Fun. The scene I, looked I loved that whole scene. Oh, the my scene God. I loved how dark it was, I, which I rarely say in TV did you, now. Did you notice I, the vignetting? I, a lot of vignetting on a lot of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I loved when Rabbi got picked up by the tornado. And we followed and it just him. Went, yeah, it went from... Uh, him being straight up and down to like totally sideways, but the camera ang- the camera always stayed you know, yeah. perfectly uh, portrait with him. I thought that was great. Good move there. Uh, it was very fun to watch. It looked dramatic and old timey while still being modern. It was really fun seeing something in black and white, and it made me just this very moment realize we never talked about Yurl the turtle. Oh, I don't know. If, do we have to? I mean, it's a real thing. It's the getting rich on the backs of others. Um, mm-hmm. What's it worth thing? I mean, and so sorry if we're disappointing you. We appreciate that. We it, it took us a teeny bit. Well, Sharpie, you didn't pick up on it. I don't think not to your fault. But some somebody pointed out it was like, yeah, Sharpie and I don't have any kids. But I, it's true. I did. I might not, not have kids, Dr. but Seuss I've read thing. a lot of Doctor Seuss books. <laughs> So Bill, it was one of those. Bill actually just reads Doctor Seuss in his I, spare time. It's you know what? It's the large. I, I look it's at the, the large. It's the large print in my old old eyes. But I, I think it's I think it's interesting because I've always thought even the you know like you kick out the bottom of that and what happens to the top? The whole thing can crumble and you know even without getting into the Doctor Seuss thing of it. But I think you're right. The the takeaway the the way we. The way Rabbi was taken away from "quote unquote" us, and the way the perspective went from being looking at him to being with him for a minute, and then him disappearing. Do you know what I mean? It was like, kind of like you felt washed away from this mm-hmm. character who you've been kind of trying to decide how you feel about. But cut to black, right? And we wake up back at Barton. End scene. <laughs> yeah. So what now, are we what are we gonna say about this? <laughs> he wakes up, opens the door to the color world, which is like yep. beyond He wakes up not Wizard on of Oz, one which, bed, by the way. Not on the other bed, yes. but on the floor. Yes. Which Why? felt just yeah. right. Mm. And it's hard. It's tough. I don't know. He 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 leaves the room and goes, and what do we hear happening? Sharpie, what do we hear? We hear this. Oh, we what is hear listed the bandaged as man. The bandaged man. That's what he's listed mm. as. Bandaged man. And he is reading from Revelation 1, right. 11, which also Revelation 1, 11, and 11 is a double of 1, 1, 1. And he is saying, I am the Alpha, the first and the last, and and, and what thou seest, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. We're not going to go into like biblical theory too far here, but um, boy, just, just the fact that, um, and I know some people are itching for some other stuff here, but just that alone, I am Alpha and Omega. That's a person who is two things, two sides of a person, first and last, similar, you know, the same. 
and somebody's going to write the story down. And what, were, what did the show open with? But a story that was written <laughs> about mm-hmm. what is happening. Mm-hmm. And man, it's awkward. It's awkward, isn't it? This scene, like Satchel's like, I just woke up. And why? Because was he just born again? Is he seeing with mm-hmm. new eyes? Is what, what's happening? Has, it, he's literally, to be all Gen X, he, he's woke, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's it, Bill, but... That's totally not it. I was just making a, t- I was just making a de- shitty joke. He's definitely, uh, I think, I think we are legitimately in a different world, though. Or, or, uh, or there's a new perspective on the world. Right. You know what I mean? The, the world is the same. The, it's it's kind of like the whole, the Wizard of Oz. It was like, you know, D- Dorothy wakes up, credit to Mercy for saying this again, because um, all these aren't my original thoughts, but I did rewatch the Wizard of Oz, which by the way, not going to watch that again for a while. Uh, turns out I can watch it one every 22 years and I'm okay. That's the rate at which I watched <laughs> the, the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> with, excluding the play uh, once and I've seen the whiz a few times. Uh, it's the duality. It's just there's so much duality in it. It's are we in a new world or do I see things differently or is there a new understanding or some new some new shit some new information has come to light, man. Mm-hmm. And here's the should we do the fucked up part? The Ooh, guy we're getting right into the fucked up part. Well, the guy the playing the part. bandaged man, or what is what does Satchel call him? I gotta look this back up in my notes. Satchel calls him something else. The, he calls him there's a, man. there's a hospital man in the room next door, and that concerns him. And interestingly enough, it's just did you notice that he looks in the room and Rabbi never even turns right into the room in that very very early scene? Like there's mm-hmm. gurgling and noises and like suction happening. Well, sure as shit, bandaged man is played mm-hmm. by the same actor who plays Oni Milligan. That's right. What? You know, uh... <laughs> what the F? What the F? What the French tell oh, I'm sorry, Oni, whose middle name, or like, Oni Yittles Milligan, and this was brought to our um, our attention by uh, uh, somebody on, on Twitter. Um, we may have got there with or without you, but God dang it, when you do it with us, it's even better. It's even better. It is better. So, Bandage Man is actually Yiddles Milligan. Yeah. Who is Rabbi's once thought deceased father. No, stepfather, Murdered. wouldn't it be? Because, wait, how does it go? We, we got to get this straight. Okay. Rabbi is Irish, gets traded to the, the Jewish the, clan. The, the Jewish- Moskowitz or whatever. Right, gets traded to the Moskowitzes, but then betrays, betrays his father. The Mo- no, he betrays the Moskowitz to wipe them out. Comes oh, that's back right, right, to right, his, right. Comes back to his father, Yiddles Milligan. And then betrays then them gets to the Then gets traded Italian. again. Betrays them to the Then gets traded Italians. again to the Fadas in exchange for Josto. And at that point, uh, that's right, right? And at I hope that so, point, if we're wrong. Either way, yeah. there's a lot of... At that point, Rabbi's kind of like fed up because it's like, hey man, I got traded twice. So then he betrays his own family, the Milligans, with the Fadas. Yeah, but he kills and, his father, remember. And slaughters, the, and slaughters the Milligans, including his father. Which, 
I think so, we, or so we thought. Because the the Irish man is a devil, which we learned in last episode from Josto, who was in this whole kid trade-a-thon, and <laughs> and yeah, and and we find out his thing. So even crazier to add even more to that, the the actor who is playing what is called the teen helper also played Ari Moskovitz. Mm-hmm. So both of those actors are from the alternative, the alternate economy, episode one, mm-hmm. and so, so both not only from sides of families that Rabbi betrayed, yes, and or and and if you if you wanted to if you're worried you're thinking about it, Rabbi Ari and whoever else were possibly part of being whatever unspeakable things he's talking about, the Irishman being the mm. devil, doing to them. Mm. Holy crap. And it smells so like Oni, and it smells like rain. And yeah. <laughs> so Yiddles Milligan sitting there saying, I'm the beginning and the end. We we begin the season with him. Yeah. He's the beginning. And we end it. We we end well, well, potentially episode. end Rabbi's story with him. Mm. He's the beginning and the end of Rabbi's story. Maybe. Hmm. <laughs> so hard. Okay. And let's you notice get to how? Uh, oh, go ahead. Okay, yeah, yeah. Rabbi called him a man's man when Satchel said, "There's a hospital man next door," and Rabbi said, "A man's man." Yeah, I didn't know what that meant. No. Ugh. Ugh. He talks about the fire, the flood, also. Talk about dual dual natures of things. You know, one can put out the other. He wants him to come closer, and clearly, here's the deal: the reality of who, you know, the reality of who somebody like Oni slash uh, Bandage Man is 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 clear now to somebody like Satchel. So he backs up. The reality of what that is is gross, and I don't want a part of it. Mm. I'm bleep, stay away. Red flagged. Mm. Huh. Huh. Well, the last thing's left, and I'm gonna I'm gonna skip one thing for a minute, Sharpie, because I think this will tie mm. into us like trying to trying to put put a bow on this as best we can. And I really, okay. I mean, every time we quit recording, later an hour, <laughs> we're mm. like, shit, we forgot to mention X or Y. Um. You know, I mean, I guarantee you there's things we've had emails about and talked to people about about the Nader that we haven't we haven't talked about yet. But I mean, this this yes. is such a departure episode that it's just so hard to go back. But I just want to say um little, little satchel here hits the road, which does have a yellow stripe running down the middle of it. It's the closest to a yellow brick road that he's going to get and he stares at the the futures now sign. Mhm. Satchel becomes born again, right? Mike Milligan. His future starts now. Yep, that's when he's like, my name's Mike, bitch. Maybe. If this isn't revealed, we'll totally eat that shit sandwich. <laughs> but the, the other thing I wrote that I just thought was a very nice motif piece was he's wearing a red hat, which is this ruby thing, but he's wearing a white undershirt and a blue shirt. So he is like wearing these American kind of color american flag colors or french is, flag colors you know what we don't own those colors well that's ooh, even better the duality of those flag colors but speaking <laughs> of flags so i don't know where we put this and i don't know where we tie this together 
because this is what I'm going to try tie together real quick. Okay. Prior to this, so so they they walk off and they're 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 going on their way, right? Mm-hmm. If we back up a few minutes, um, he comes out and Reverend and Mother are folding a flag. Did you catch how many stars were on that flag? Approximately. Approximately thirteen. Mm-hmm. What did you make of that? And they're in bedtime garb. Like Yeah, they are. They're kind of putting garb. Colonial America to sleep. I'm just kidding. That's not the point I wanted to make. I just can't figure that out. No, I think that is it. Don't you? No, no. I oh, think what po- I think I think I thought that was been, pretty good. <laughs> I think I think we're witnessing the continued issues that, mm. that were wrought by because oh, they're, they're still holding on. They're still holding on. They still have them, this respect. And I'm not trying to suggest I'm not proud. I mean, really, so before people get all like, because it's the internet, don't at me over this. I'm, I'm, ha- I'm happy to be where I am. I, I'm also just not unwilling to turn a blind eye to how we got here. Um, so this ties into something that I wanted to talk about is like, so that we're looking at this kind of, it's a colonial flag, right? Like mm. post, post-revolutionary war. And this episode has um, outside. There's some snowflakes. So Sharpie, snowman. I want to talk snowman because. Okay, we're gonna get into it. Well, somebody sent us some like, hey, did you see these pictures? I don't know if I responded, and I'm sorry if I didn't. I've we literally got the last two weeks. We have had more comments, tweets, emails than I think we've probably ever had in the history of our show. We've got a healthy mailbag and I dig it. So keep yeah. it coming. Yeah, keep it coming. Follow us on at the place where we engage the most, mostly me, because Sharpie's we don't let him log into that account. Um nope. it's just at Fargo Talks Fargo on Twitter and email me at podcast at Fargo Um but Sharpie does see these. We I forward everything to him and we talk about him. But um Snowman last episode. Um, and we, we got a lot of really great comments, you guys. I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I really wish, I wish we could, um, you know, I wish we could talk about Aiden sent a ton of great stuff about Orietta Mayflower as these, this, right, this, this killer, this n- killer nurse theory, which at uh, Jane, uh, we, it's just, it's too deep to get into for this episode, but solid, solid shit. Um, but I want to talk about Snowman for a minute. Um. Sharpie and I, you know, and we got we got a very nice mention from the Bald Move guys on their podcast, and a few people pointed that out. So I, for the first time in well over yeah many many years, I listened to a I don't I don't like the word competing podcast, um, just a different take um, podcast. But Snowman, I commented on mm-hmm. all the tiny buttons on his uh, his garb, his clothing. That's right, you did. And now seeing this thirteen star flag fold makes me even more like emboldened in that concept that that we're we're dealing with something and, and whatever this entity is uh people want to be like oh it's the grim reaper it's this um my here's my here's my super big reach is sharpie and i want to know what you think of it and then I'll, I, I want you to tell me what you think i think or maybe i should read the tweet so i don't like i tweeted it because i thought yeah what the hell let's take a reach right to just mm-hmm. go for mm-hmm. it um I noticed that we thought Snowman was looking at, um, you know, if Snowman is death, right? Cool. He's part death. He or whatever it is, uh, is, is partially death maybe. And we see, we, I brought it up that he was looking at Deffy, but 
it's just lingering there all the time. So what I wrote was, what if the snowman is wearing colonial clothing because it is the specter of looming colonialism and racism? It follows families for generations and has, so far, in my opinion, only been seen by BIPOC characters just tossing out that idea. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, bi- biracial indigenous people of color. Um, we noticed that... Uh, Swanee sees it. We notice that um, Zelmera sees it. Uh, it tends to show up because what if that's what it is? This is this long running, like I'm so far from the past, but here I am creating dread and ugh, existential awfulness in your world by mm-hmm. continuing to be here. Because from what I can tell, the character feels very European looking and is just there menacing these people. It's only if we've, you know, and you could, there, there might be tons of snowmen. Every family could have one. And it is, mm-hmm. the difference is this might be a massive reach. I'm just wanting to get it out there that, that what if, what if that's what the snowman represents is. Sorry, that was just a whole haul. I'm buying into that. <laughs> Sharpie's just, they can't see, they can't see you. He's slightly rocking in his chair and nodding. And, I'm not saying that that can't have its own specter of awfulness for people who are not of any of that descent. I'm just saying right now mm. it is living, quote unquote, living and breathing in their worlds more than anyone else's. We, we, don't, we have not seen Snowman lurking around the fada joint being like, boo, here I am. Ha 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 ha. Um, it is completely different and it is there and, and it's just, it's oppressive. And it's scary, and it sucks. And I think, what else is racism in this country? <laughs> Maybe. Oppressive, scary, and sucky. Which brings me back to The Wizard of Oz for a minute. I <laughs> am not completely certain. I feel uh, like I feel like you that and That I... <laughs> has never happened before. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's talk about The Wizard of Oz. Well, I guess... What I want to say is, is that I'm, I don't think the wizard is a physical person character. Right. I still think the Wizard of Oz is, the, is America, the American dream, or whatever it is you want to put on it. It's, it's, it's a light bulb with a different shade depending on who you are and what it is you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we established that idea way in the beginning, and I think it's still pretty rock solid. I have no idea where this takes us with uh, Lemuel. I have no idea. I mean, that's right. I have no idea where this takes us with Ethel Rita. I, A, I don't think, in, in the thing I listened to, I don't think, uh, what's his face, Andrew Bird's character, I don't think he, yeah, I don't think he's anywhere. We don't know what ends up on the cutting room floor. Mm. But I mean, there's lions, there's tigers, there's bears all over the place. There's bulls, there's snakes. We can all be all of those things. It's up to us and our, the dual nature of our choices, I think, that can provide and be those things. The end. <laughs> Is that where you want to end it? No, that's good. That's good. I bro. don't know. I mean, there's just, there's so many other things. I feel like we, I know there's things we missed here. And like I said, please tell us. Sharpie, I mean, there's also there... things we just don't have time to go over. So right, but that's do you, fine. Do you, do you have anything that you, you feel like I kind of blew through or missed? 
Oh, I know one thing, little thing, just just a little thing. Uh, Rabbi uh, at the dinner table says to Hunk, you know, you sure ask a lot of questions. <laughs> Remember mm. that? There is, uh, there is this, there's this scene when Dorothy meets Scarecrow, you know, he's like, you sure ask a lot of questions. That's a lot of talk. You know, he's, and Scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz says, some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. <laughs> so I thought that was a very personally I feel like that was a really nice touch uh to 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 doing that but yeah oh and I also thought to mention <laughs> we missed a dumb duality macarons oh yeah we can't even agree on how to say it no one can and they're all confused about wait which is which cookie which is what macaroon macaron well, we talked about macaroons. I know, but I just I love the fact that even the cookies in an episode have their oh. own duality of st- stupidity that we <laughs> that we spent time talking about. <laughs> and uh, coconut, we did spend time talking about that as if it's never coconut, been talked about. Coconut is still awful, terrible. We even got an email, people agreeing with about it. Yeah. I disagree. So I I love all these people. They're so great. There's so many of you that have written in, and I I really apologize that we can't get back to everybody. But coconut is so good. We read it. You know what? I don't know. It's what so say. unique. So we've talked about it. We're sticking to it. We have. I don't even know where to go from here. Do we? I think next week are we going to be in a new world, and we just have to ignore what happened. Is this the UFO of this season where we go? Huh. I don't know. I think this is, I think it was the beginning and the end of this story. Uh, Satchel's born again as Mike Milligan, and he's going to go off and do his own thing and start his whole new life. Uh, It's the end of the Milligans. It's the end of this side of things. I think we're going to go back to the slaughterhouse, see a little shoot-em-ups there, and start to focus more on Orietta and Ethel Rita. And Do you think we have time for that? Stuff. There's only two episodes left. I feel like they gave us I think that. there's three episodes left. I don't know. Maybe not. I th- um, Either way, I, do you think they're going to really take us back to Kansas City to like tell us about something we heard? You know, it's like, I don't know. My guess is that we won't see this, the thing. Maybe we will. We might not see the slaughterhouse thing because that does seem kind of boring to go back to watch something we just heard about. Like, because do I want to be like, oh, that's how we got Eldo? Yeah, turns out he. I don't think it really matters. Head. I don't think it does either. <laughs> you know. Um, but we will. I think we're gonna wrap up this saga with this episode. Yeah, the, the Milligans. Man, did I say Fadas earlier? I meant the Milligans. Yeah. I still need it. Yeah, Orietta's still uh, a, a loose, uh, a, like a loose end for me, and I still stand by. Not all ends need to be tied up. Who is she? What does she do? Why is that important? Um, her her stuttered walk, uh, her, you know, like her stutter walk is still so interesting to me. And because we have to, there's like here's the deal: we got to tie up those ends. We got to figure out what happens between her, Doctor Harvard, and that whole sitch. You know, um. We got to figure out what happens between her and the Fadas, and then we've got the whole political drama that doesn't seem to be playing out. Me, uh, the 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 fake marriage, you know. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yep. We missed something. We missed a whole bunch of things. I guarantee you, we did. But nah, we covered a lot. Yeah, Sharpie. That's what you guys get. That was great. Thanks. Thanks for. That was good. Thanks for hanging with me, man. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah. 
Go back and watch it again. Watch The Wizard of Oz if you get a chance. It's free uh, if you are an HBO Max subscriber. Um, oh, there was a comment somewhere about Munchkin figurines. Uh, I don't remember which email it was from. I apologize. Um, oh, do you think Otis's little army is the Munchkins? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just it's just one more play into it. I'm super glad we sure. like. I'm super glad we bet hard on the Wizard of Oz. Um, I, I'm I'm really glad. But yeah, we should have definitely put the Hummel dolls together with the Munchkins. That's oh, a good one. Right, they're tiny, tiny. Oh <laughs> God, dang it. which one of them was the Lollipop Guild? That one we saw was a mail carrier. Do they deliver sweet treats by mail? Is it is that Munchkins have mail carriers, man? They get the mail. No, no, too. no. I meant like, do they? You know, <laughs> is it like the new disruptive market, like Uber, like candy delivered straight to your door by the Lollipop Guild, Hummel Munchkin? They they gotta diversify. <laughs> gotta gotta get in. Gotta get on that interweb, Sharpie. Yeah, they're taking credit cards now. God damn. Well, hey, and thanks right. for listening to our poem last week. Hope you enjoyed it. Sharpie, until next time. See you, man. Until next time. We'll see you next week.